podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. You can't win anything with kids. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. How much are the players looking forward to Arsene Wenger arriving? <laughs> Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Phoenix Five. This week I'm joined by the whole five. I've got Adam Miller with me. Hello, Adam. How's it going, lads? Sorry I weren't here last week. Welcome back. You was missed. Uh, David Graham. Hello, Paul. You all right, mate? You all right, lads? David Holland. How are we doing, boys? Nice to see you all again. And the one and only Lee Harper. Well, go on. On this week's show, we'll be talking about controversies in football during the 90s. There were so many controversies to go through. We're going to do a countdown from 10 to our number one most controversial moment. So I think that's enough of an introduction. I'm going to start from our number 10 we all, we all spoke about, which was the David Batty versus Graham Lasso fight. So it's back in November 95 during a Champions League encounter between Blackburn Rovers and Spartak Moscow, where Graham Lasso did something remarkable when he punched David Batty. It was remarkable not only for the fact that two were supposed to be teammates, but also because the so punched a tough tackling Yorkshire Hardman and he lived to tell the tale. Uh, who remembers this? Uh, Graham, I'll start with you. Hey, I remember it, mate. Um, they're both playing on the Blackburn side, the side that won um, the Premier League the year before, wasn't it? And they went into the Champions League. Um, they were struggling. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think they got out of their group, did they? Well, I remember, I've had a look back as well, but it's just as I, as I remember it. They both fell over each other, didn't they? Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, the Spartan Moscow had the ball and then they t- turned the cameras and Graham was slow for a left hand at um, David Batty. And apparently it broke his hand doing it as well. It was just weird to see it, actually watch it, because you've had, you had um, Dyer, remember Kieran Dyer and Lee Bowyer a few yeah, years later, yeah. similar sort of scrap. And then you had, remember one with um, Cruz Grobelar and Matt Manaman. That wasn't as bad, but it was still a scuffle. But yeah, see two players actually having a fight on the pitch. I mean, it was a, it was a proper left down as well by Lasso. I mean, didn't know that he did it, but he kept coming forward. But yeah. Uh, Holland, anything to add to that one? Uh, yeah, I loved it. Uh, it was a naughty little left hook from Lasso, by the way. But I think after he'd done it I, and our battery reacted, I was thinking, he must have been thinking, oh man, uh, I've done it then, but then I'm going to see him in a change room after. Batty was going to mash him up. I know he was, and Batty knew it. You know, he, like, he got, he got a naughty little left hooking as he went in, like because he didn't expect it. But I think Batty just all the game thought, oh my God, he's chinned me. So I thought just Batty just knew he was going to batter him when he got back into the change room. But um, yeah, it was mad to see. Like, I, I, Graham mentioned uh, Boya and Di- I loved that one because Boya's face, he is raging in that one. And I, that, he, oh, it, it does make you laugh. Like, but, um, yeah, he hit the shirt as well in that one. He ripped uh, Bowyer's shirt. Yeah, as well. he did. Yeah, but he, he, Bowyer's getting pulled away. And you just see his face. He's absolutely raging. And uh, his face just... I'll never forget that. His face just makes me laugh. But, you know, you know, like, Batty was just shocked that he got punched by Lasso because I can't imagine Lasso was much of a fighter. And he's hit him with a naughty little rabbit punch. <laughs> About that, obviously, with Lasso and uh, Batty, mate, have you heard? Have you heard the stories about Batty? Like, so he's like apparently people say that he he never owned a mobile phone. Like he was proper like secluded from the, yeah. the outside world. So apparently, David Batty actually said that he doesn't even like football. It was just his day job. Have you heard that, guys? Yeah, he didn't actually like football. Yeah, he just turned. He just good at it. Yeah, he just turned up training. He didn't have any interest in football other than playing it himself. And then he would just keep his kit on, just get in his car and go home. He didn't want to interact with anyone. Uh, some players said that he's living like a that caravan, like he didn't. Yeah, I heard that, yeah. Fame's not for everyone, though, is it? Do you know what I mean? No, some correct, people yeah, absolutely correct. love it, and some people, you know what I mean? It could, 
it's like, like that's how we treat our jobs. You know what I mean? It's just a job. You do your work, you go home. So some people just see it like we think it's it's amazing because it's football, but it's not for everyone. Uh, rumours are that last time he was seen was in, I think it was 2002, up in somewhere up in Yorkshire. And he's into BMXing and um, uh, rally, r- rally riding. Um, he's a proper like country bumpkin now, apparently. Um, and I've always said I would love because no one's interviewed him. He hasn't been he hasn't been in scene since I think two thousand and two. I just think yes, yeah, as Holland said, I think some people they just it was a job. He went. I'll tell, in- you, what, I'll tell you what, no, we won't bet not. If we ever get an interview with him, don't say anything about Lasso chinning him because he might turn on us. Dave, <laughs> uh, you got to find him first, mate. That's what I mean. That that sort of thing will live with you forever. He's been chinned on telly, like. But he hasn't shown his reaction. He probably killed Lasso in the change room after. But that's not on video. So he's always going to be known for getting rabbit punched by Graham Lasso. Well, let's move on then, guys. So Robbie Fowler's White Lion celebration. So after an equaliser in the Merseyside derby in 1999 against Everton, Fowler got down on all fours and simulated sniffing cocaine, using the touchline as his prop as a response to taunts from the Everton fans over supposed drug abuse. Fowler received a four-match ban and a sixty-thousand-pound fine for bringing the game into disrepute. Um, Miller, what do you think? What do you remember about that 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 controversial celebration? I thought it was very clever of him, the Playboys of Liverpool, the Spice Boys, and their culture at the club at the time. I thought it was a message to the media. That's what I thought it was. I thought it was clever. And wait, 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 that's, wait, that's a good point, man. That's, wait, it's true. I never thought about it like wait. I don't look at it like like that. Until you just said that. Well, he only got a four-match ban, which I think was quite surprising at the time. Because, obviously, goal celebrations now, you don't get anything of any character anymore. You but can't even take your top off now. Well, that's yeah, that's you can't take your top off. can't do anything to celebrate. So, if he done not it, it would be a 10-game ban. Um, Graham, anything to add on the, the, the Fowler celebration, the controversy surrounding it? I remember back at the time, I think the, the more, not so much the drug celebration itself. I, I remember a lot of the controversy being... Kids, you know, kids um, copying their idols. I mean, your you back paper lines about cocaine and whatnot. So, cut a long story short, it's like the message is kids, oh, Robbie Fowler does drugs. He's so cool. I'll do it. I, f- I remember that being slightly more controversial than him actually doing it himself, being, being an adult and, and whatnot. But, yeah, I thought it was, you know, drugs aside, I thought it was a great celebration. Like Miller said, it's very, um, very clever the way he'd done it. Um, he basically done it and it was never sort of heard of again was it really I haven't seen anyone else do it have you uh, Holland I, I said it in the first episode I loved it I did not you know not for the I mean, the message is the message but yeah like it, it, you know for a bit of you know you can do, you get two types of people in the world people that take it oh my god it's going to ruin my kids life because Robbie Fowler and people see it for a lot for, you know it's a, you know a bit funny a bit laddish and that's how I took it but yeah no, I thought it was a great celebration I can't see it catching on but, you know, I, I see the fun side of it. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go on, oh, my God, you know, it's going to ruin people's lives. And people have got drug habits now because Robbie Fowler sniffed the fucking line on the side of the pitch. But, but there, is, think, there is people out there that would. But do you not think, as Graham said, quite, which I never, you know, in terms of the idol, you know, we've all got kids now. If, if one of the players did it now and then your kid walked in and said, what's he doing? Because obviously a, a nine-year-old child wouldn't necessarily understand it. You've gone then got to explain or lie to the nine-year-old to say, well, actually, he's, um, yeah, I don't know what he's doing. He's just, he's just smelling the grass. So in terms of the... Yeah, I- you would lie then. You don't need to tell him. The kids don't need to need, need to know that at nine anyway. You know what I mean? No, I, I think I, I, I think Paul means, would you, would you lie? I think yeah, he's no, just I wouldn't tell what that meant. I wouldn't. Why, they don't need to know that age. They'll figure it out for themselves when they grow up anyway. I don't need to, every time they see something, have to explain the, the actual truth on it. Because then they're, they're not kids anymore. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, you tell, you tell yeah, but it's true what Paul's saying, though. No, no, yeah, I'm not saying he's wrong. Harper, wait, because hey, that, that, listen, we, we've all got kids like, like you said, and well, luckily, like my 
they've not asked me. But if if they had, like, what 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 do we say? Like, I, I don't know what I'd say if I'm honest. I'll just say it's a celebration. It's no different to do, doing any other celebration. They don't. They're, yeah, not, gonna, they're not going to ask. Yeah, so next flag. question. Next question. Why is he sniffing a line? Like, why is he sniffing? I'll be like, oh, that, yeah, but, yeah, but they like, wouldn't know. They wouldn't say the class, like, wouldn't they? Like you just, it's a celebration. That's it. But if they're a teenager, you educate them. You tell them what yes, it is, you, you, and you, you educate could, them about life. Yeah, but you could like you could pick the bones out of everything and have to explain everything if you if you allow that to happen. Yes, it was wrong, but we know it as adults. But you don't have to you don't have to tell a nine year old the actual truth and then go into a lot of drugs and all that. You could you you can save them for another day. All the kids kids are naive anyway, and kids don't. For them, it's just a celebration. Yeah, you wouldn't be happy if you saw your kid doing it. You think, oh, my God. You know what I mean? Like, because you know what it is. But they're like anything, anything they copy, it's innocence, isn't it? So when we was at school, we wasn't adults. So what do we think? Like, So what do you think at that point? Yeah, but did, we, did any of us take any notice of that celebration when we were kids? I don't think we well, did. The, well, the only thing I took notice of was uh, Robbie Fowley used to wear a noseband, it? So when I used to play football for, like, in the school, I used to put that noseband across my nose. Yeah, so. It didn't make you play any better, so we'll move on. <laughs> uh, number eight was a, a difficult one between a seven and eight but we went with Hartson's <laughs> kick to El Berkovic in the, in the face so the flare-up occurred in September 98 when a bad tackle in training prompted El Berkovic to throw a punch at the hearty Welshman the response was just savage Hartson spun around and kicked the playmaker full in the face with full force I mean and he was on his knees at the time when he, when he uh, so Berkovic on, on his knees Looking up at Hartson, trying to say something, Hartson just spun round and full lamped him in the face with, with his boot. I remember the controversy at the time because it was a training ground bust up, um, and all the papers obviously had all the, the media band. He wasn't punished for it, Hartson, obviously, because it was a, a training. I'm surprised he didn't miss his face. Well, it's it's a, it's amazing. I mean, does anyone remember that one quite vividly? Because I remember that's the first, out of the three so far, that's the one I remember yeah. quite vividly. Yeah, again. That was probably one of the first incidents that got leaked with the media, with the cameras and stuff doing training ground or mobile phone footage and stuff like that. It was probably the first incident. You've all heard about stuff in the past before that, but it was really the first one that made it into the mainstream news of an incident that happened in the training ground that should have stayed in the training ground. If something's happened, they, they must have been niggling at each other. I don't like each other in the training change your room and he thought oh, I've got my chance here your chin's there for the taking well obviously Berkovic he was a good player at, like, good player, at, at, yeah. so, so he probably thought he was a cut above the rest and then oh John know he just put well he's knocked him down a few pegs a few pegs he took his face off I Berkovic done it all wrong though I Berkovic is on his knees and swung a punch while he was on his knees he ain't even he ain't even near to, to John Hartson's height when he's standing up so he left himself open for a volley in the head but it was a bit naughty. Like, it was a full-on one to the jaw. <laughs> but, uh, again, it's another amazing way. I like when the fights and that happen. They are funny. But, yeah, it, 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 you know, he didn't think it through. If you're going to throw a dig, at least be on your feet. Because he just, Artson just ended him. Full pelt, volley in the jaw. Amazing. It was a proper was, Mortal Kombat, like, finish him. Yeah. Just botched. Yeah, if that was in the cartoon, it would have his head would have flown off. A good point there in terms of the because obviously, as you said, in the changing room, there was always stories you, that might get out from from some journalists about what's happened, but it was never actual footage. That I, as you said, I can't remember anything of footage of seeing two people in training having a ruck. Now, it's it's on Sky Sports within thirty seconds of it happening. But back then, 
it, it, that was the, the controversy in itself was, as you said, I think the leak was the first thing that, that was controversial almost because you're thinking, how have so who's got in there and got training ground footage? Graham, anything to add on, on the, the kick in the head? Oh, yeah. Well, I remember being on London tonight, to be honest. It was on the London News. Um, yeah, it's a bit, I agree with what Holland said there. It's a you know, cheap shot, when it, really? I mean, I know Berkovic is on his knees for a, a wild punch. It was nowhere near um, Arts. And, he, <laughs> you know, full smack in the chops with, with the laces. I mean, like Lee said earlier, I said, how oh, he didn't smash his face up, I'll never know. But, but just quickly about the Bergovic, I wish I, I forgot all about him, you know, for when we'd done the underrated. I would love to have chucked him in there. I forgot about him. But yeah, it was uh, it was quite controversial at the time. But like you said, Paul, how he never got a, a fine or anything, that's, oh, yeah, it's, it's a salt, isn't it? Yeah, it's a couple of salt. So, well, we'll come like, on. Like a, obviously, what we've been talking about, yeah. Have you ever, like, have you ever come across anyone like you've upset while split or? Have you ever come across like arguing with your teammates? Yeah, I've had rows, but not like that. I've had like you've had arguments on the pitch going mad at people now. So what I'm saying, you can half understand it. Obviously, not to that level. Heat at the moment, Lee, isn't it? I think also as Graham said, I think it, it was instinct almost. But I think they've had a, they've had a tackle. They've been nicking each other in training. Bergwich is down the floor. He's he's had a pop at Hart and said something. Berkovic has probably swung a punch. Nobody's he's not going to hit him. And then Hartson just as reactive with a kick. And it was, I don't think it was an intentional... I think he broke his eye socket. I think it's just, if he was standing up, it wouldn't have been a kick. It would have been a punch. It's just that he was on the floor and your instinct is just to kick out at someone that's trying to attack. Either him. way, I wouldn't have fancied Berkovic's chances. Hartson was a big lad. You know, yeah. so I, I don't know what I would have rather, a kick or a punch yeah, of him. This is what I'm saying. If, if he missed a lot of punch, I probably would have took the punch. He would have knocked, he would have knocked Berkovic out with a punch. So either way, Berkovic's getting hurt. So number seven in our controversial list, we've gone with Pierre Van Hoydonk going on strike. The most famous instance of a player ever going on strike in Britain. Van Hoydonk become unhappy with a new ball at Forest at the start of the 98-99 season. A perceived broken promise to strengthen the side. Van Hoydonk demanded the transfer, but the club, knowing his talent and key role he had in keeping them up, refused his request. The player then went on strike for six months after realising the club weren't going to sell him. The relegation threat in Forest took him back and Van Hoydonk lasted until the end of the 98-99 season where Forest ended bottom of the league. Yeah, and they started selling all their players, didn't they, Forest? He turned up one day, Kevin Campbell was gone, Scott Gemmell, Steve Stone, all just sold in the same season. And uh, and he was like, what? Like, he was having none of that. So he said, will you sell me? And they wouldn't. Uh, Paul, you said um, he was went on strike and then he came back, did you say? Yeah, so he, he went on strike for the first six months of the season. He came back for the back end of it. Uh, I think mm. it was the last eight or nine games he came back to to cut because he realised they weren't going to they weren't going to sell him. They came to a sort of a, an agreement. They would play play out the last eight or nine games of the season, and then they sold him in, at the end of the season. Yeah, I didn't realise he came back. That was all. I know he ended up at that Vitesse at Arnhem, but yeah, I mean that that sounds like the first sort of um, version of player player power, doesn't it? Really, when he's saying basically, I'm doing this, I'm not doing that. Um, I remember I remember it being in news and whatnot. Yeah, it's only what Dave said about sell, selling um, Kevin Campbell, Steve Stone, Gemmell and uh, Colin Cooper. I didn't realise all them went. So, yeah, he was pretty pissed off at the time by the sounds of it. Well, that was the demise of Forrest then, wasn't it? Because they never came, we never see him again after that, did we? I remember thinking, how can anybody who gets paid to play football go on strike and refuse to play the game when there's so many other people out there that would give their left leg to play football for a living? And I thought, how dare you go on strike because somebody wouldn't sell you so you could get more money to go for a higher rate of team. Yeah, I just thought scumbag, in all fairness. 
It's interesting because I remember it, and I mean, I'm 100% with you. I think that's what everyone thought, and the media covering it thought the same thing, and they, they kind of said the same thing about going on strike, disgraceful, um, especially in a town like Nottingham Forest, which has traditionally obviously hardworking families, and, and it is very linked to the clubs and, and the players playing for the club. At the same time, he was promised no one will be sold, certain players would be brought in, and then he turns up in, in, in <laughs> to train, and then five of the best players at the club have all been sold. So you would feel a bit of a broken promise. It hasn't been done since uh, that I can remember a player. I mean, you get players who refuse. I think uh, Costa at Chelsea when he wanted to yeah. move, he went to reserves and stuff. But it wasn't on strike. The manager just didn't play him. He just put him in the reserves with the kids. But obviously, Forrest couldn't really afford to do that, and ultimately, it sent them down. Um, Paul, do you remember? Sorry to interrupt. But make a good point there, mate. Do you remember when we was talking about David Hurst a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, and you made the point of um, Trevor Francis. Uh, you said that Hurst wanted to leave and go to Man United from Sheffield Wednesday, and you you said, uh, "Well, I've looked it up as well. Um, you're, you're totally right." Trevor Francis turned around and said, "No, you're not going anywhere. I want you here. You will play for me." And just you know, a couple of seasons later, Van Hooydonk does the opposite. I'm not going to play. You know, f you, I'm off. So how time to change? You know, just just within a couple of years. So that's like for me the first example of, of like power, uh, people, uh, player power. Sorry. How, how it's starting to evolve, not necessarily for the better, like, but you know, yeah, I think it's a good point. Harper, player, player power now, it's it's massive. This day and age, huge man. They're and their agents, they rule the roost, bro. I agree, and we'll come on to that in our later point as we we spoke about. So we will get on to that in a little bit later. But let's move on to number six, and more of a not a comedy <laughs> moment, obviously, but the Paolo Di Canio's referee push. And if you look at our Instagram page. Uh, I've uploaded that video for everyone to have a look at. And it isn't funny because obviously it's 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 a, an official being pushed over. The, the comedy is the way that um, Alcott went down, the, the, the stumbling back and then falling down. So in the 1998 game against Arsenal at Hillsborough, De Canio took particular dislike against a specific decision and decided the best approach was to push referee Paul Alcock. Alcott's quite frankly embarrassing attempt to keep his balance may have made the incident seem more comical than it actually was. But De Canio received an 11-match ban and a £10,000 fine. And also, I mean, De Canio has got a few moments. That, that's the, the main one. But obviously, he subbed himself off at one of the games for West Ham um, when when he just he just said, no, I'm done, and put his hand up and said to Harry to, to hook him. And then, obviously, um, the good sportsmanship when he, against Everton, I think it was, where the balls come in and he's grabbed it. Um, and was, I think Paul Gerrard, the goalkeeper, was injured. And he stopped the game and they could have gone on to score a goal. So, but let's stick with the Decanio referee push. I mean, everyone remembers that. And uh, Graham? Yeah, I'll start, mate. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I think we'll all remember that one. I think most people of our generation and older obviously remember that. Um, yeah, like you said, Paul, it was the way Alcott went down, wasn't it? It was like um, sort of not sort of, sort, of, sort of like a Bambi moment, wasn't it? You know, it was just a, a little, it was a little push. It wasn't a massive shove. It was a little push. Sort of lost his balance and went down. But yeah, I do. I had to look back at the incident itself. Uh, guess who started it all off? Vieira, wasn't it? Oh, Vieira yeah. kicked out of Vim Young, a, a rare game for, that Young actually played for Sheffield Wednesday. And then Paolo De Canio goes and grabs the back of his Vieira's head. The next thing you know, Big Martin Keown's come along and they've had a right scuffle. And <laughs> then, then you get the, the red card and the push. And then you get Nigel Winterburn running over, didn't you? The old uh, De Canio sort of, I don't know, not lashes out, but he sort of imitates sort of a, a spit or a something. And he basically shits himself he? And, uh, <laughs> and he gets sent off and um, apparently I was reading up on it Andy Hinchcliffe it was at Wednesday at the time Decanio kept saying am I going to get banned am I going to get banned and he was like well yeah something's going to happen because it's never happened in England before and he was apparently he was really shocked to say well this happens in Italy all the time what's the big deal sort of thing so he didn't think nothing of it but yeah you went on to the, the Everton game Paul he went like from because uh, I think his Wednesday career was over from then 
Yeah, it was West Ham. Yeah, he went to, yeah, he went to West Ham and he caught that ball, didn't he? Um, that Gerard was on the floor. But it, well, what I read about it, it said it was an open goal. It wasn't an open goal. It wasn't an open goal at all. He couldn't have scored from the position, not really. But yeah, he went from um, villain to hero instantly. But like you said, he had some other incidents, like when he was at Lazio, he had, he's got that uh, Mussolini tattoo on his arm and stuff like that. So he's right. He's controversial anyway, isn't he? You know. I think you could just, instead of just going to Canio's referee, but just number six should just be Decanio because the amount, yeah. of, the, the amount of controversies, I don't, I don't think you can, I think Balotelli would probably be a like a, a similar kind of player in terms of got things that you can, as a player, mention around him. <laughs> for me, for me, for like comedy wise, I, that's number one. And if, and the most fa- the, the, obviously the push is I love the push and I love the fall. But it's Winterburn for me. I love Winterburn. Winterburn, Winterburn went over like he was going to do something big, like, and all all Decanio did was just go towards him and he shat himself. And that's my most favourite moment part of it. I love that. And like, I'll never get bored of seeing how he shat his pants. Like he flings like a bitch. And honestly, uh, that is my that, that is like the most that is the best bit of it all. Point number five. This one's a bit dark, and this is this goes on the dark side of football. The Andres Escobar own goal. I don't know. Obviously, we're quite young for this in uh, South American football. Obviously, the, the the gangsters and the kidnappings. You get players now who I think Neymar's cousin's been kidnapped and held to ransom. It happens quite quite it's quite rife in Brazil, Brazil and that, that area of football. So Escobar was held responsible for the Colombia exit at the USA '94 at the first hurdle after his own goal helped the US to a two-one victory. In Colombia, Escobar was shot and murdered barely two weeks after the game, with the reasoning behind the shooting that several drug lords lost a lot of money. Does anyone remember this? And obviously, we were quite young, so I don't know if we remember it obviously being there, but it's been spoken about since. Um, Holland, do you, do you have any recollection of this? Or the, the, yeah, any- yeah, I, I, I half remember it. I mean, it's not it's not something that you you know, but yeah, no, I, I know about it. And I mean, for someone, it's, I mean, it's ridiculous to me. Someone to lose their life over a football game is ridiculous. Now, I know drug laws in Colombia and all this other stuff, it's a totally different league, but the man just played football and he scored an own goal. He didn't score an own well, goal. Dave, listen, lucky you never played in Colombia because you'd have been shot every week, mate. You're <laughs> shit. <laughs> but yeah, like I say, he didn't score an own goal on purpose, for fuck's sake, and he's lost his life over a game of football. To me, that's, to me, that's ridiculous. Fucking ridiculous. But, you know, there's a lot that goes on in Colombia, so it's probably the norm there. Yeah, it's sad when life takes over from just a game that, like, it's just a game at the end of the day. So drug lords, whoever, are involved, their money's involved. How they take that into their own hands just from somebody just trying to play a game and represent their country is mental. It's, yeah. I couldn't see it happening again, to be honest. Imagine if you was a Colombian player. You'd be frightened, especially after the game after that's gone on. You'd be frightened to to make a mistake. Do you know what I mean? You're thinking, bloody hell. If uh, we get beat, so, I mean, who's who's heads on the chopping block next? But I think it was a common occurrence. Looking in, into it, if you go and look at Brazil, um, South American football, mm-hmm. this is the most the the biggest somewhat scandal. But it happens on a regular basis. There's, there's quite a few players in South America who have lost lives over games. Graham, anything to add to that one? Uh, yeah, that was my first. Well, it would have been most of ours. All of us will grow up together. Um, it's my first World Cup ever. I remember watching watching you know more than they did in Italian ninety. Um, the Columbia apparently they were one of the favourites, believe it or not, going into that tournament. They'd lost one game in 26, so they had high expectations. Um, yeah, like you said, Paul, uh, apparently it was drug related. Um, he put a statement in one of the Colombian national newspapers, basically telling the country to forget about it and move on. So that didn't that didn't help. Um, he went out on the drink, didn't he, with a couple of his mates. They left him in a car park, and uh, a couple of henchmen shot him x amount of times. But yeah, like Dave and um, 
Adam said, it's you know, losing your life over a game of football. It's it's ridiculous. I was saying, yeah, they had apparently had uh, 120,000 turn out for his funeral. So there was a lot of lot of mourners for him. This one is unbelievable. It, it, uh, it's Duncan Ferguson and it's the headbutt um, against the Rafe Rover centre-half, John McStay. So a big dunk headbutt on Rafe Rover centre-half, John McStay, which on the pitch got no punishment, not a yellow card, not a red card, no VAR, but it resulted in a three-month prison sentence for assault. Ferguson went to prison for it, and this led to Ferguson to later retire from international football. So basically, he, the incident happened on the pitch. It got investigated by a criminal matter. He... Uh, Asked the SFA to kind of help him support the case. It's like a, a sporting incident. Um, and they refused. And then when he came out of prison, he said, oh, I'll never play for Scotland again. But have you seen the headbutt? Has anyone see, seen the headbutt? Not yeah. that bad, yeah. is it? I, I, I didn't think so. We're, we're I've on seen the, worse than that. But I didn't think so. But, um, we'll start with Graham. Yeah, like you said, I've seen, I've seen the headbutt. I remember the headbutt from old. Yeah, I've seen worse. Um, yeah, the weird thing is you mentioned the start point. You never even got a booking for it. No. And he ends up going to jail. So, <laughs> I mean, Duncan, when you look back at Duncan Ferguson outside of football as well, I know he was a bit of a nutter on the pitch, but he, he, he'd he been he'd done time before, you know. He'd um, he got head-butted a police officer, apparently. Um, he beat up a, I don't know if it's a disabled fan, it was a fan on crutches anyway. Um, he, had, <laughs> <laughs> he had four convictions for assault, so he was a bit of an odd nut, wasn't he? But yeah, like yeah. you say, the... the the actual headbutt, it was a headbutt, but it wasn't major. But not to even get a book in, but he ends up in jail. That's, that's a head scratcher. So, yeah, that's the comedy side of it, really, Paul. You're right. Yeah, but uh, Graham, what about imagine if you're burgling someone's house and you look up and big dung's at the top of the stairs? You mean, oh, well, my God. That happened, apparently, Dave. Yeah, 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 that's he, what he I'm had saying. burglars and he, he beat them up. He battered <laughs> the pair of them, yeah, burgling his house. Imagine <laughs> that. Imagine robbing big dung's house and he's there. Oh, my yeah. life. Uh, mention on big dunk. Oh, he's an absolute animal, but he's someone that you'd love to have in your team. Let's be honest. Oh, one million percent. Absolute animal on the pitch. Miller, would you like to defend it against him, mate? Yeah, I love people like that. I expect you to say no, fair enough. (laughs) I love it. Make the game more interesting. Yeah, if you're going to play in Scottish football, a a Glasgow kiss is the norm. You know what I mean? And that's all he did. He was just saying hello. You know, hello, mate. mate. Nice to see you again. Bosh, hold that. And um, and that was why the referee didn't give a yellow. They were just saying hello to each other. <laughs> I do think that it's interesting because we've we've mentioned obviously the um, the hearts and kick, the Butty Lasso fight, um, and and nothing with criminal was taken out with that because obviously normally you assume if on the pitch within reason we're not going to kill someone, but if you have, if you have a scrap in the fight, it's not going to cause the police to come in and and arrest and then actually sentence someone to three months. But I think what Graham said, I don't think it was the incident that. That caused it, it was that he had past convictions for aggressive and assault, yeah. uh, GBH and ABH, which obviously led to him going into prison. But what do you think about the Scottish FA not backing him? Do you not do you not think it was do you think that's the right move to do? Or you know, again, because looking at people watching the game and the influence that idols have on players, the assault, although it didn't look too bad, it was still quite a big incident at the time. Does anyone think the SFA should have stood up for him and, and, and back backed him at the time? How can you? He's just starting to sweet on someone. Uh, you know, it, you know. It, how, can, how can you turn around? You can't. And you, you can't. You can't. Like you, you. How can you agree with what Dave said? True. You can't agree with that. Obviously, you don't want the biggest influence in Scottish football to do that. And unfortunately, he did. Just just because he's like so big, you can't. You can't go like go along with that. No way. But do you not think it's not? But do, but do you not think they could have said, "Well, hold on, we'll deal with it. <clears throat> we'll deal with it as an SFA." 
let's say then, okay, if we we put it into modern football, let's let's use an example and say, so if that was Harry Kane and Harry Kane did the same thing on the pitch in England in a Premier League game, um, obviously that he would be fined, obviously he'd be suspended. But do you think if there's a criminal investigation, the FA would step in and back, not back Harry Kane, but try and avoid Harry Kane serving time in a prison? Uh, Paul, 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 let me stop you there. Someone has to press charges for the police to get involved. So that Ray Frohner's Rangers player would have had to have pressed charges for that to have gone when it where it went for him to go to prison. It, it like it's so that's the that is why it, it's become like a criminal uh, offence. So. Because if he had dropped the charges, they wouldn't. That would have been the end of it, and they could maybe have dealt with it themselves. But because it got that far, that player must have must have uh, wanted him to get done for it. That's the only way. That's the, that's the and then and then when it when it becomes that, then the SFA can't get involved. But the SFA didn't back him at all. Didn't give him any support through this. Well, how can how can you how, how can you after that if he if the if the police have pressed charges, you can't then just turn around because it's big dunk and say, oh, we're backing him. He stuck the Swede on him. At the end of the day, he's, he's got to be responsible for his actions. So they probably they probably thought, oh, we could do it back because it's big fun. Same scenario happened a couple of years back with John Terry and Anton Ferdinand. The FA couldn't get involved because the police were involved. So they done their own investigation, the FA, and then the police, because of fans, they weren't even Anton Ferdinand in press charges. It's because a fan reported the crime or what alleged crime to the police, that's why it went that far. So, like what Holland was saying, the F, the, the not Spanish, the Scottish FA, they couldn't really do anything. It's out of their hands. The the referees done nothing on the pitch. So, what's the Scottish FA going to do? How are they going to back him up? There's nothing to back up from the football association point of view. This is a Criminal, not yeah, whatever you want to call it, criminal, GBH, whatever, how it's been put forward to them. It may have been a fan at the ground. It may have been somebody watching it on a TV that's reported it. But as Graham said earlier, where he's had previous, they've obviously taken that into account. But now, would, as Lee was saying, would Harry Kane, if something like that happened, would Harry Kane get any support from the FA? It all depends on what it is, really, I'd say. The PFA would help. The FA will shy away from it like they do with most things. But the PFA would probably get involved and try and keep him available. I, I think they're backing, mate. I, I, I think they're backing. I do really do think they're backing. Are we going to move on? We've got our top three now. And this was quite difficult to, to distinguish between which would be number one to number three. But we've gone to soccer bungs or football bungs. Um in the 90s, it was it was rife to some point. It's even gone up to now with the FIFA investigation, um, which is obviously more the noughties in the 2010s. But in the 90s, when we first started, I remember hearing things about bungs and being front page news. And I mean, managers, again, we were, use the word allegedly. Uh, people like Harry Redknapp were, were on the take constantly from what people would say. And the media tried to stitch him up on, on numerous occasions. But I'm going to focus on two. Rune Haig is a Norwegian football agent. Hague representative John Jensen and Paul Livsen during the transfers to Arsenal in the early 90s under George Graham. This led to George Graham becoming embroiled in allegations that Hague paid him a £425,000 bung to sign the players. Then you had the Marseille incident, which we spoke about briefly on our Champions League episode. Uh, so French football hasn't uh, been without its controversies either. Marseille were found guilty of match fixing in the early 90s. 
They won four league titles between 89 and 92 under the guidance of Benet Tapie, as well as the UEFA Champions League trophy to boot. The foundations of a great Marseille side came crumbling down in 1993 when it emerged that Tapie was involved in match-fixing. Marseille were stripped of their league titles, banned from entering the Champions League and banned from entering the International Cup. Tapi received two years in prison while Marseille suffered financial problems and were then demoted to League Two. Uh, Miller, anything you, you can remember anything about that period of, of times or the word bungs being mentioned in football? Uh, the only thing that rings any bells to me is Grobola and the stuff that he went through. But I, don't, I didn't really pay much attention to that side of it when we were younger, to be honest. Graham? But if they, if they were getting a backhand, I'll fair play to them because they weren't getting paid the money that the guys are now. But 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 you say well done to him, but then that pins the game into distribute. If you're if you're saying to someone, oh, I'll take a bung to, to to sign a player in George Graham's case, then you're you're burdening your club with a big investment in players that might be uh, well, in this case, John Jensen and, and Powell like Lidocene might be crap. But George Graham signed them on the fact that he's got some money in his pocket. That's you've got responsibility as a custodian, as a manager, and as a chairman to, to not allow that to enter the game, surely. Yeah. yeah, but you've got agents in the game that are doing worse than what, say, George Graham done or allegedly done in his time at Arsenal. You've got to think what George Graham was doing for Arsenal at the time and the team that he was building. Was he being treated fairly like you mentioned in the last one about Arsene Wenger, how much money he was getting? So maybe he thought, I'm just like, you, you ain't sorting me out, so now I need to go and make my own money. Graham, have you got anything to add on that? I mean, that's 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 quite a controversial yeah. start, I would say. Uh, yeah. uh, he said, Graham. Yeah. Well, when you mentioned, did, do I remember the word "bung" being thrown about? It was on the back of the papers all the time, wasn't it? And the front. Um, yeah. But the the weird thing is about the George Graham one. He was actually sacked by Arsenal. So, could you imagine if he didn't take that four hundred thousand pound bung allegedly? What would have happened to Arsenal? Because obviously Arsenal Wenger wouldn't have come in because Arsenal weren't exactly struggling at the time. They were mid-table side, but they were never in danger of going down. But going back to what Miller said with the Grobelar one, that's the, that's the one that sticks in my head more than anything. Grobelar, Hans Segers and John Fashionu. Um, I remember being in the paper a lot about them um, uh, 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 going to court against the Sun newspaper, it being overturned, and Grobelar being um, taking bungs and, and um, going bankrupt. I remember one of the goals as well, very iffy. Um, you'll have to look at it as against Coventry. It looks like it does push it into the back of the net. But yeah, yeah, the Marseille one, Paul, if I'm perfectly honest, I, I don't really know anything about that. I just, doing this podcast, it, it's sort of, I know sort of what you're on about, but I don't, I don't really know the ins and outs of that one. But yeah, the, the George Graham one with the bungs, apparently he was on £300,000 a year. So he got another year's wages like... Uh, by taking that off that off Norwegian agent, did you say? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, but um, obviously we know John Jensen, he was better for Denmark than he was for Arsenal, obviously. But the other guy you mentioned, Paul Lydersen, uh, no idea. Dave, you might know him, you're an Arsenal supporter. Paul Lydersen, was he overrated? No. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting in instead of Winterburn. <laughs> but, um, no, I don't really remember too much about the bar. I remember the George Graham thing going on, but we were kids, so we wouldn't ever really looked at that. So we were interested in this goal. Their backhanders are going on still today. I don't care what anyone says. Old Allardyce got stitched trying to get making a few quid for England manager. So, all right, it, yeah, Bungs is, is probably different because, you you know, that's a different sort of... But these little backhanders are still going on. I don't, I'm sure of it. Yeah, I mean, I'll go to Graham just quickly with the Marseille one. Um, it only came up because when I was looking at the Champions League winners... 
it came yeah. up and I didn't know I don't I didn't know much about it. And then when I started no. looking into it, I was shocked. You know, match fixing. That's a big there's a difference between a bung and match fixing. You know, because that, that's that's it's the same as betting on games and people go, oh, we're, we're going to bet on a game because obviously you can Im- influence the game and the same as that. And it, it, it was a he went to prison, which is, again, it's quite serious. I don't know if obviously it's serious, but you don't with it, you look at FIFA and you look at the, the situation there. No one's gone to prison over that. And that was far more more bigger than this scandal. But no one went to prison. And with the Arsenal, with the Bungs, as, as I think Holland was saying, with um George Graham and with uh, I think Sal Allardyce was stitched up personally. I think if you listen to the interview and or the the, the leak video, um, he didn't do anything that was illegal. He, he was just trying to earn. A, well, not trying to earn. He didn't need the money, but was opening up to a different. Making a bomb. To, no, but it, no, because I don't think. I think you mean story point. You think like it was a sting, like it was a setup. Yeah, I sort think of thing. so. I think yeah. you were known to do that. Oh, I wait, think. So you, you like, honestly what, think that? Well, can I butt in? Can I? Can I butt in? Can I butt yeah. in? Yeah, go on. Yeah, Ian Bishop and Trevor Morley, when they said West Ham, yeah? So, apparently, there was a game for West Ham. Kicked off, yeah? And Trevor Morley kicked the ball straight out. Bang. For a throw-on. Apparently, obviously, that's when it started. This day and age, you can can bet on anything. Throw-ons, corners, whatever. But in that day, like, what? Ian Bishop and Trevor Morley at West Ham. So, we're going back a good few years. Yeah, no. You know what I'm saying? that's betting on football and that's why that's obviously prohibited. And that's why, but again, you can't, you don't know who's doing what you don't know if, if someone's put 50 quid on or 50 grand on getting a yellow card in a game at two to one or whatever it would be. You can't stop that. There's, that will be in the game and someone leaking. I think it was recently, it was a Jack Grealish injury at Villa with a dream team link or something. I mean, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more. I'm surprised there's more stuff isn't leaked. Like well, listen, look, if, if I was five, yeah, if I was five, we're all professional footballers in the Premier League, yeah, but and we know what betting's like. Look, we say to our, our family, look, listen, have a cut of quid, I'll get booked, I'll do... Mate, it's easy money. But then you're, 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 you're hoping you know. players aren't doing that because, one, they don't need the money in, in these, these leagues anyway, but it's not about the, the, the money. But would you not do it? Personally, no, because I think if you get the, the repercussion of being caught... And therefore, everything you've done Millerwood. put into question is is not worth the, my, my reputation as a, as a player, surely. But I want to go to Miller's point because I, I, Miller's almost kind of said, "Well, yeah, he took a bang at George, uh, George Graham. It wasn't earning a lot of money or whatever, and that's yeah, fine." Does anyone agree with that? Does anyone actually think that? Yeah, they weren't looking after me as a, as a as a club, so fuck it. I'll put my hand in my pocket and I'll, I'll, I'll earn a couple of quid. Does anyone? Does no, anyone I, disagree I disagree with that. I disagree with that. Go on, Harper. I disagree with that. Yeah, listen, we all know footballers, managers, they're paid fucking far too much money, in our opinion. Graham, uh, it's, just, it's just not worth the hassle, is it? There are enough money as it is. It's just not worth the ag if you get caught. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if if, if you're if you're on a if you're on a minimum wage and you're trying to nick a few quid, just you know, that you know, you can get you get your buy, then you can sort of understand it because. You know, you're trying to make ends meet and that helps you have a little bit of a better life. These blokes ain't going for any of that. Do you know what I mean? So for them to just take, to, to need more Agreed. money than they've already got is bollocks. They've got addictions though, let's be fair. Like, you don't know what his background story is behind. He might have needed that money for his addictions. Yeah, well, like I'm saying, it's, that's a desperation then, Miller, isn't it? it yeah. It, but you're, you're saying, oh, well, they get paid this, they get paid that. Was he the highest paid manager? In, in the leagues at the time. No, he probably felt he was worth more than that. And he probably felt 
as I said at the beginning, I'm just by the club. And but yeah, but back then, George Graham wouldn't have been like the money wasn't being chucked around that we're talking about these days. So yeah, I think George, I think George sick manager quality. Yeah, he was what he was doing with the team. So he probably thought, hold up, I'll just have a bit more. Yeah? It's like you on a building site back when he was on the Tools Island, thinking, hold up, I'm going to have a bit of scrap at the end of this job. I'll leave that one to the side. Yeah, but, well, yeah, but yeah, yeah. But <laughs> see, see? <laughs> but, try nick a little bit on the side. See what's wrong with George Graham? Yeah, doing? but I was, I, I, I was, I was scraping by. George Graham weren't. Uh, Graham, I'm going to bring you in on this. What, who are you siding with? Are you, are you under the middle side of Graham? Well, actually, you don't know what your situation was. Maybe you need the money, and and, and it, the end justified the means. No, I was going to say, um, I'm scared of the law, any breaking law, anyway. So I would have been with Paul and Dave. But uh, what, obviously, what Miller's saying. Look, he's he's brought himself into disrepute, and he really not so much Arsenal or the other players. Um, he's probably been he might have been doing it for X amount of years, X amount of months. Um, he's had his fun. He got caught and he got punished for it. So if he wants to if he wants to do that, let him carry on. You know, not everyone's doing it, but I personally wouldn't do it. I'm with Paul and Dave there. It's just not worth it. So a bit of yeah, controversial there, pros and cons of both, you know. But yeah, Lovely. not for me. A bit of controversy caused in the group there by Mr. Miller. So moving on, um, we've got two more points to go. Um. Number two is uh, the King Eric Kung Fu kick. So this was a kick that was heard around the world and handed Blackburn the title in 95. Eric Cantona's right boot to the face of the Crystal Palace fan, Matthew Simmons. Cantona was handed a worldwide ban of eight months for his actions. Eight months justified. Excessive. It could have been longer, if I'm honest. Oh, come on, man. Like, Listen, you're, you are a professional. You get paid a, a lot of money. You are a professional in the end day. Cost you that, did it cost you the league? That, that season? It did, yeah. It, co- it definitely cost Man United League. We would have definitely won it that season if, if Cantona wasn't banned. It, it, well, obviously, you, you, I can't say definitely because things could change, but I think it definitely yeah, helped. Of course, yeah, of course. Yeah. Chances. Was Roy Keane player for you that season? <laughs> just say just say Sorry, mate. Wait, I'm getting that fishing rod out, boy. It's going to reel in a whopper. Graham, what do you remember of the, the Cantona Kung Fu? I remember being, we were at school at the time. It was big, big yeah. dude came in. It was a yeah. great story. Well, it's the hit, we talked about the heat in the moment earlier, didn't we? When the uh, it was one, oh, it was the um, batty and the so yeah. yeah, and the hearts and thing, yeah. Sorry, heat in the moment. Uh, apparently, yeah, the, the guy that was being making, um, I think he was calling him racist names, and he was saying stuff about him coming from France and stuff like that. Apparently, he was a member of the National Front anyway. So this guy was a bit of a knobhead. Um, he'd been involved with the law, etc. But I just think Cantona just it was heat at the moment. He'd had enough. He snapped. He'd done the kung fu kick, and he got punished for it. Um, personally, I can't see anything wrong with it. Um, there again, maybe once again, the, the woke community, as they call it now, at the time would have come out and said, he's a professional, kids look up to him, he can't be doing things like that, etc. But as an adult, um, I applaud Cantona for doing it. And he's actually come out, he doesn't regret it. He said, I should have hit him harder. And it was one of the best moments of his career. Um, I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know about if Man United would have won the league, that's opinion, because... Lee Harper's Blackburn were doing pretty well. But no, on the actual incident, yeah, I applaud Captain R for it. With Graham there, you're nodding your head, Holland. I, I don't know what you said that is uh, to do with Man United and uh, me not liking them and stuff like that. It's got nothing to do with it. I think, I think he was absolutely right to do it. I don't even think he should have got a ban. The fans feel that their fans take the absolute piss when it comes to the people, right? If you're talking to some, if you're talking, you'll never talk to someone like that in the street and not get a smack in the mouth. They get away with murder. You like what gives them the right to start slagging people's mums, their race, all this other stuff, just because they're in a crowd and they're watching a game of football? For me, he deserved what he got. I I, I feel it was well justified. People just, like, especially with Twitter, think, think they've got a license just to speak to people wherever they like. But if he's if he's standing in the street, 
Now, you, you talk to someone like that, you'd be, you'd be prepared to get a punch in the mouth. So I, I again with Graham, what Graham said, I absolutely agree with everything he said. He deserved to get a, a kick in the chops, mm. and I love, I love it. And you know what? Like I say, it didn't make, it didn't stop people from fucking carrying on the way they carry on because it still goes on today. Agree with what Holland said, but I'm also going to flip it. You do that in a workplace. Now you're getting the sack. He never got the sack. Got banned. So yes, hundred percent. He should have done it. He should have done it harder. Just because you pay to go and watch football does not give you the right to call people whatever names under the sun. They don't. Yes, it's professional. The players are professional. Look, racism and that it is rife. You got to let the other people deal with that, Adam. All right. So in your workplace, somebody comes into your workplace and starts saying whatever about you. You just gonna say, "Hold up, boss yeah, man." Yeah. Well, then technically, out. technically, you should tell the governor. Yeah, but are you really gonna do that? Are you? Let's be honest. Well, emotion and stuff like that's involved, then you've got myself, a bit of a temper. Myself, no. Myself, no, but I, I've got a workforce of fucking 10 people. Mille, yeah, that's a good point you've made there. I'll, I'll ask you a question based on what you're saying. Um, if you were the owner of Manchester United at that time, saying as, as Paul was saying, they, they should have or could have won the league um, with Cantona, unfortunately they missed him for X amount of games. You personally, if you was the owner of that club after what he'd done, would you have sacked Cantona? Yes. Really? Yes. Okay, I, personally, I don't believe you, but <laughs> no. fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I would have. You, you don't do things like that in the workplace, in, like as Lee was saying, in front of thousands on TV, live TV at the time as well, I think it was. You well, can't yeah. do things like that. Well, do, yes, he's a professional. The way Adam's saying, he, he has to say, he has to say you got to sack him. One million cent. The, the way he's gone about it, he, ha- he would have to, you have to sack him. You, just because he's a footballer does not give him the right to, yes, he's right, from, in my opinion, he was right to react in a certain way because of the amount of abuse that he's taken over the years. And at that precise moment, who knows what was said to him and people have emotions and they snap. Mm. But what I'm saying is, as Lee said, being about being professional, that's where it comes into it. He's taken that professionalism away from it. So he should have got sacked. I, I, I completely disagree. Uh, with with Zach you would do Man United. No, no, no. <laughs> whatever. whatever um, yeah, sure. I think you all. Everyone's right. Everyone's got what they're saying, and, and they're all they're all right in in what they're saying. I think the big controversial we see is he's kicked out, and he, you can't be doing it in, in in a workplace. If if you're using the workplace as an example, yes. If I work in a Sainsbury's and someone gives me abuse, can I jump up and kick him in the face using the kung fu kick? No, I can't. I'll be sacked. So why is it? Why is it okay? Why is it okay to do it? I'm in not. No, it's not okay. No, it's not. I'm not saying it's okay. No, see, see, the thing is with football, is that right? It's what will happen here is Cantona gets sacked, and then he goes and signs for City and wins them the league. Had he kicked a black man or a, another <laughs> mixer, another race of any generation, do you think it would have gone leave like it could it been like rape? Cantona's now racist. I don't think in the 90s. Though, I don't think. I think it was not as frowned upon as it is now I know where you're going with it possibly today but Paul I think it's a really good point I, th- I think you would have to quit I think if it's done now and it's a black uh, black or Asian minority I think it might be looked at completely differently I think you're at, I think he's absolutely right but I also think that the fan and the people around hit the fan would have stepped up and had a lot more to say whether it was a racist incident in terms of what the fan was saying I think back then it was as uh, Graham said that he was allegedly part of the National Front Um and it was a racist incident on Cantona. Whereas I think if if the same scenario and it was a racist incident towards Cantona and he was black, 
it would have made no difference because the the racial side of it was being thrown at Cantona from the black fan. So I don't think it would would make a massive difference. Mm-hmm. I think it would have been a, a different matter in, in this day and age. Okay, guys. So uh, we're good. we've got down to number one now, and um, we had a bit of a, a brief chat about uh, the the number one, and I think we we was trying to struggling what to put, and I, I kind of put a, a case towards the the Bosman ruling. Bosman won his 1995 court case at the European Court of Justice over the issue of freedom of movement for footballers, arguing that footballers, just like any other profession, should be protected by employment law. And he argued that football clubs prevented freedom of labour and therefore restraint of trade. This led to the players allowing their contracts to run out and move from one club to the next completely free. Fees that it cost to go through the European Court bankrupted him. And the PFA or the the, the, the French, uh, sorry, the um, the Swiss equivalent or Belgium equivalent didn't back him. Um, no big player movement backed him and supported him. It, it, it bankrupt him. Uh, he was arrested later on and split from his wife and was done for uh, got arrested for a battery and assault. He's an alcoholic or alleged alcoholic or has been fond of the booze. And he sold. He, he set up these T-shirts and it was kind of like the uh, thank the Bosman or something like that to try and promote that he's done this massive change of um, footballers millions upon millions of pounds. And he sold one T-shirt to his solicitor. No one's come to try and kind of uh, to his aid to try and support him through his alcoholic period, if that is the case. It's a very sad case of one individual taking on one of the biggest sports in the world, um, winning, and then his life being turned upside down because of it. Yeah, for me, it's it's, it's massively controversial. It's 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 a sad state of affairs, and I think the Bosman ruling changed football. Yeah, well, the Bosman ruling killed Arsenal, by the way. Because we've never got to grips with the fact that our players leave on the Bosman or one year before. We lost how many players? We lost around Percy to your club. Oh, God, the list is endless. We to get down to one year. Yeah, but yeah, no, but it's his last year, so you got him on the sheet. That's the board's fault, Dave, surely. No, it is the board's fault, Lee, but I'm, I'm saying that ruling, that, that, that Bosman ruling, they get down to one year left of your contract, they're 18 months, you can then start talking to other clubs. So the club panic and sell him on for cheap, which is how you got Van Persie. No, yes. Arsenal, they were a big club. They, they just, they never renewed contract. Sol Campbell was probably the biggest um, player that moved and Arsenal benefited from it. Because I don't yeah, think no, that, was a, that was a good one. Yeah, um, to be honest, always years ago, I always heard the the Bosman ruling um, saying, I didn't even know what it was, to be honest. It wasn't until recent times. This is, it's like, is it like an anniversary last year or something about it? I think there was, yeah. There was some commercial yeah, um, about it. Vaguely, I remember at the time it going to the European Court in Luxembourg. Um, I didn't really know a lot about it. But it's sad to see what he's what's happened to him today. Um, unfortunate that maybe not, I, I don't say the players have to, but he's made a big statement and how players can move in between clubs now. He shouldn't get some sort of help, you know. Like you're saying, it's quite sad how it's how it's happened. But I just know he's changed the football transfer signings for the better. It's evolved, if you like, you know. For the better, did you say? Sorry, Graham. For the better, isn't it? Do you think it's been, it's, Do you think that the Bosman rulings made football better? I'm not being funny enough, in Paul, but you, I know you don't because you're all about business and stuff like that. But it, you know, like for people like youngsters and stuff like that, new players coming to clubs is an exciting moment. Like, so they're not. So with that out, that Bosman ruling, it'd be hard for players to move between clubs and transfers is a big thing. Like transfer deadline day, people love that. And you know, without this Bosman ruling and, and players being able to be not freely moved, but more or less. You don't have any of that excitement. Now, about the Bosman ruling, they were saying about contracts and that. Listen, if you're like good at your job, then you get a contract. If you're that good, I don't think the Bosman ruling comes into you. If 
if you're that good and you're loyal. You're saying, you're saying what do you mean? So, sorry, are you saying that it's a good move or a bad move, Harper? Well, it's a good move. The bottom is good because, listen, if the club who you're playing for respects you and they want you to keep, they won't let your contract run down. But no, hold on. If they thought you were shit and old, then yeah, you're gone, like, bro. Lee, what happens if the player doesn't want to renew it then? Just say that, say I employ you, yeah? You couldn't afford to I put you on a five-year contract and after, after I don't know, three years, you're hitting all the fucking heights that I want. If I don't renew your contract and you think you're that you're under worth, why are you going to want to work for me? You're going to want to go elsewhere. But what if a bigger firm comes in who can offer him more money than you can afford? Then you've lost the opportunity to, to earn something off the person you've trained. Yeah, but, I've not offered you. him, but I've not offered him a contract, Paul. That's what but, I'm saying. I've but not yeah, offered but, yeah, but, yeah, but Lee, then I leave. I say, fuck you, Lee. I don't want to play for you. I'm going to run my contract down and go for free. Your club gets fuck all. Well, I've got a question for you then. You yeah. see Van Hooydonk's the strike, him going yeah. on strike. Now, if the Bosman rule didn't come in, would you see a lot more players go on strike to try and force moves? No, because I think the club's... Okay, so the, the, the stance for me, and then I'll go on to Graham's... Uh, sorry, to administrate after. I, I think the Bosman rule... The, the problem was is the, the clubs had all the power. Players had no power. Um, and then you could sit them in the reserves or, or not give them a contract, not reward them. Uh, and then the Bosman ruling changed everything. And all of a sudden, a five-year contract isn't really a five-year contract. It's only worth three years because after the first three years of your contract, then you have to renegotiate for the next 12 months to get them out of their two-year period. And Elka was a king at this, of, of moving clubs, having a contract, and then kind of getting to a stage where he's like, right, well, I was selling me, I'm going to move. Player power, it changed everything because then all of a sudden, everyone wanted to get these five-year big money contracts, get to year three and go, right, well, let's negotiate again now. Winston Bogart was a good one at Chelsea that they signed and he was on a, a, a fat five-year contract. He got to the club and he weren't very good and they sat in the reserves and they tried Shit. to... Well, yeah, but they tried selling him and he went, I'm not going anywhere because I'm on 160 grand a week and if I go anywhere else, I'm on 80 grand a week. So I, I think the bottom ruling, I think it, it was a good um, conversation to have. I don't think it's been implemented how it was planned to be implemented when it first came around. Okay, Pogba is a good example now. Pogba has two years, or De Gea recently. Uh, Pogba had two years, has two Wait, years. De Gea's on, he's the highest owner at Man United right now. Yeah. That's bullshit. He should never be that. He should never be that. But you either lose him on End a... Dog. But okay, the, the, the hair situation is a very good example. Oh, lose him, man. 350 a week. 350 a week. Lose him. But you've but you got to take into account the other side of that is that to replace a goalkeeper like De Gea you'll have to pay a transfer fee of 60, 70, 80 million plus. So you can sign a player who you've already got at the club and pay him 350. Say it's a, say it's a 45 million pound contract over three years. Or you go and sign a goalkeeper who's probably going to be on similar wages of 2, 220 anyway. And it's going to cost you 70 million pounds in the transfer fee. Henderson, Henderson ain't. Henderson ain't on that. Sorry? Henderson ain't on that. Henderson ain't on what, anywhere near what they're on. And he's a good keeper. Yeah, but he's unproven and he's already at the club. We've already paid a fee, a fee for oh, him. Right. So, right. Hey, shit anyway, but and that's, a, that's for another day. Um, yeah, like you said about it was a good debate to have. It's just been implemented the wrong way, as you said. I think it's ruined the game and gave too much power to the players and their greedy agents. They, they're moving about not showing no loyalty to the clubs. Like, as you said, you've got guys going through youth systems now and learning their trade and straight away thinking, all right, someone's someone's looking at me. I, I could go nick a transfer fee. I agree with that, Adam. 
they've got to get a transfer fee. They could go get another five, ten grand a, a week from somewhere else. But on the other hand, if they are locked into a contract the way it used to be, you are basically owned by the club. You don't have the right to hand in your notice. You put in a transfer request and stuff like that, but you couldn't in any day-to-day society like we are, if we don't like the place where we work and we don't feel like we're getting anywhere in our career with them, we could hand our notice in and move on when the players couldn't previously. So that's why I think it was a good thing that the players had some sort of right over their contract. It's just been it abused with the money and how freely the agents are they had they had an option adam yeah they had an option that that's what it is the option yeah that that was the good thing but that option has been taken advantage of which do you, do i you, think it's ruined the game i agree do you think the contract should maybe have something like if, if you if you have a i mean i'm not comparing a player to a, a plant machinery because that's no, ridiculous yeah. But the depreciation value of a player on the, over longevity or the increase of value. Do you not think if you sign a five-year contract, there should be a predetermined base fee that if you go into year five of your contract and you don't choose to stay with the club, we can demand that there's a nominal fee that you pay the club or the club pays you. Something that's that kind of, at the end of the five years, you know, they're going to leave and there's a fee. I'm going to drop it there. That's our number one was the Bosman ruling. quiz um guess the goalkeeper so here's the first one here's the first clue to all five of you so basically if you think you know it stick your hand up okay right the first clue i was born in acapulco mexico okay second clue i scored 35 goals during my club career harper george campos correct well done jesus i'm going to get that from two clues i was born in the soviet union second clue I played internationally for the USSR, the CIS, and Russia. Clue number three. I played in the Premier League for eight seasons. Clue number four. I had a brief spell with Celtic in 1999. Last clue, number five. I am an Olympic gold medalist. Who am I? Miller. Did he play for Newcastle? No. You feel Pavel Cernicek? Yeah. Dimitri Karin. Clue number one. I was born in County Donegal, Ireland. Stop. Uh, McGrath, Shea Given. Incorrect. Right, okay, clue number two. I made my pro debut on my 21st birthday. Clue number three. I am a one, cl- I am a one club player playing all of my 641 games in Scotland. Miller. Clue- Go on. Patty Bonner. Well done, Miller. It's Patty Bonner. Hey, Ed. Respect, bro. You got okay. that after three clues. All right. Okay, then. Miller's got a question right and Arpa's got a question right. So we'll go for the final one for the winner. Let's see if you can get it. Clue number one. I was born in Czechoslovakia. Clue number two. I was number one at both Sparta and Slavia Prague. Lee Arpa. I'm going to go... Jan Stayskill. After two clues. Yeah, it's correct. It's Jan Stayskill. So thanks everyone for listening. Please follow us on our Instagram page at the Phoenix Five Show. Or alternatively, you can email us at the Phoenix Five Show at gmail.com.
Podcast Network.